Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon. Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The volume. It's Snaps, presented by FanDuel. Football season is here, and there's no better place to get in on that action than FanDuel. But why, T-Bob? Why? Well, let me tell you. Okay, first off, the app is safe, secure. It's easy to use, okay? FanDuel always has these great exclusive offers where you can get juice, win a little more. Uh, When you win, you'll get paid fast. No waiting, no BS. And they got a ton of ways to play, man. Spread, money line over, unders, totals, props, same game, parlays, everything. Live betting. If you get to the show late, it doesn't matter. Just live bet it. They also have the teasingly vague same game parlay. Plus, I don't think it's a streaming service, but there's only one way to find out. It's by downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app today, promo code SNAPS, and make every moment more this football season. Must be 21 and present in select states only. Gambling problem? 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. Arizona, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Colorado, Indiana, Minneapolis, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Indiana, 1-877-770-STOP. In Louisiana, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. New York, Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700. Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net. West Virginia. Welcome in to a brand new edition of Snaps, your favorite new daily college football podcast. I am your host, T-Bob Bear, joined by my fellow host and uh, brother-in-arms, Aaron Murray, Georgia Bulldog. Great, Aaron. What's up, dude? Man, happy Wednesday. It's, this is, it's been a good week. We've had opportunity to do some rewind to start yeah. the week off. A lot of drama. College football, always a lot of drama. And then now we get to start to finally preview once again 
this upcoming week's game. So uh, it's a beautiful Wednesday. And yeah, besides my 40, no, not 45, hour and a half coaches call this afternoon as we yes. try to find the offense and defensive coordinator. Uh, that was kind of a crap show, but we're here, we're alive, and, and we're ready to kick some ass. Well, yeah, it works out perfectly because this is a crap show as well. So welcome to the crap show, T-Pat, Christopher David, Jason, Ricky Nelson, Ox in the Shop, Gilbert Rodriguez Jr. Shout out to everybody hanging out with us in the chat. Hit the like button. Subscribe to the Volume YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe to our podcast, wherever podcasts are found. If you rate and review, that really, really helps out your boys. And you know what? We love some help. But you know who else may need some help early on here, Aaron? And that is Brian Kelly. As, uh, what do they say? When it rains, it pours. And our producer, Ryan Brumley, are excellent. Producer Ryan Brumley told me before today's show started that Sunday night's game was the second most watched of the weekend. Over 7 million people tuned into LSU, FSU, and saw the ensuing madness, right? So already you had a lot of eyeballs on this game. A lot of people understand the context of what happened, how it happened, how poor LSU looked. And that all led in to Brian Kelly's press conference yesterday. First mid-season press conference comes after a devastating loss, and well, it looks like the hits keep on coming. So he mm -hmm. held a presser. He started about six minutes before it started. Um, he began to speak, and another media member came in, one of the local beat writers here, Leah Van from The Advocate. And uh, Kelly, well, well, he here's how that interaction played out. So again, here's the setting. He started the presser a few minutes early. Uh, Leah walks in the middle of kind of his opening statement, and here's how it went down. Hit the tape, bro. With that, we'll uh, we'll open it up to this late arriving uh, media crowd that uh, must have uh, enjoyed the the weekend. Um, that's usually ten dollars um, that we put in the kitty um, for. We, we'll have a big bash at the end of the year at my place. <laughs> I don't think it has anything to do with winning. <laughs> oh my god, dude! You guys, know, we were sitting here yesterday, kind of prepping for the show. I'm listening to Kelly. Thing. I'm like, Hold, I'm like, what? what? Did she say what? Like, I, I, I had to immediately send it to him because I had, I, I, I could not believe if that's what I actually heard. In case you couldn't hear, so he makes a joke about the fine or whatever, and she says, maybe if you win, I'll be on time, which. I don't know, man. Maybe it's a bigger deal to those have, that have been in those rooms, but you don't normally fire back at the head man ever like that. And it kind of immediately got quiet. It got a little awkward. And what it's done now is blow the hell up. I mean, it is all over the place, dude. Um, some people very angry about this, you know, a lack of professionalism, or journalistic ethics and whatnot, and others being like, hell yeah, get them jokes off. Like, this is fine. It's not a big deal. Or even others more being like, yeah, whatever. Dude, she's a reporter. He took a shot. She took a shot back. Uh, Aaron, is this all much ado about nothing? Is this a big deal or, or are we just sitting here talking too much, uh, about, uh, Brian Kelly right now? No, I think it is a big deal. I, I, I really right now, and you part of the reason is what you said. I mean, 7 million people tuned in, second most watched game of the weekend, that LSU versus FSU matchup, and a lot of excitement, a lot of talk. You and I have been really excited about this team. They were in the honeymoon stage, and I think right now yeah. the honeymoon is over. The, the, the shut up and put up and let's go out there and win and let's enough with this. You know, We got this elite coach. 
uh, we got talent, this and the other. Well, go prove it. Go win. I think to me, LSU is is a spot where they believe they should be elite every single year. And, and, and there really is no reason why they can't be. I think you obviously living in that state, you being in Baton Rouge, you knowing the history even a little bit better than I do, understand that there is always talent at LSU. We're talking about a team that was, what, 500 last year, but still put 10 guys into the NFL. That's how good they were, and that's how much talent was on both sides of the football. So we know they can get it done. What do we just keep saying? They needed a coach. They needed to move on from Edo. They need to bring in that next tier or two tiers ahead of what he was bringing to the table. They went out and got there. That the like once again the honeymoon stage was feeling good. Everyone's happy. Yeah. They're gonna blow up Florida State. This is gonna be Brian Kelly's big moment. And they not only did they lose. I don't. I think that's the. If they would have lost, that's one thing. But the way they lost and the mistakes they made is what is confusing to me and a lot of people because you think Brian Kelly was going to bring order. He was going to bring a more disciplined football team. He was going to bring a team that was more focused on the football field. And, and when you watch that game, yes, it was the first game of the season. Guys are going to make mistakes, but I didn't see that. I didn't see guys in the right position. I saw a lot of mistakes on, on, on offense, yeah. on defense, on special teams. Obviously, silly penalties like the targeting, which was just out of control. It just looked like a very undisciplined team. So now people are like, well, we brought in this guy to, 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 to instill that. We didn't get it. Now the media is, you know, a little iffy right now with that comment. Like, once again, it's just, it's just, a, it's a, they're at a really, really weird stage. They need a win. I think a winning, as we all know, winning solves everything. You know, she came back, Leah came back and said, hey, I talked to Brian afterwards. You know, I apologize. He jokingly yeah. said back to me that I still owe $10. So, you know, he, he kind of took it in stride. And, and I think she was, you know, a, did a good job of going up to him afterwards and talking talking it out with him. But yeah, there's some very, very upset people in Baton Rouge as they should be. That was, once again, not just a loss, but I think a very embarrassing loss with everything that went down. So, I okay, so I think we're touching on a few different topics here. As far as the actual interaction itself, while it is freaking wild, y'all. Like, that is wild. Again, I've never heard anything like that, really. Um, I, me and Barbara trying to figure out who it could be. I thought it might be like a student report. Like if you're a beat writer out there listening to this, I don't know that I would advocate for that. Uh, then again, at the end of the day, it is a lot of talk about this, something that actually doesn't really matter, especially not to anything on the field. Uh, I, I think one thing it has proven, look, there is a lot, and I think we kind of knew this, but there is a lot of national distaste, uh, for Brian Kelly. And, and so when you see him have the embarrassment of Sunday night, when then coupled with, uh, with that question being asked in that manner, well, yeah, that's, um, that's, that, that story is then going to do a bit of numbers. Mm -hmm. I'm not panicking about the media thing. What I'm maybe panicking a bit about Aaron is after I really dove into this film, um, this did not look like a very good football team. And, mm -hmm. and not just because of everything you named. Like, they looked undisciplined in the same way that got Coach O fired. They looked undisciplined at times in the same way that Coach Miles' teams did uh, near the end of that tenure, right? So that was disappointing. But also, especially after losing Mason Smith, who looked like he had the potential to be the best player on the field that night. Aaron, I'm not sure how talented I know this LSU team to be. They have strong points, certainly. I still like the defensive line. I think the secondary impressed. Um, 
wide receivers we know can play, but the offensive line was really poor. The linebackers were very poor. And even though I want to credit Florida State, it felt like two mediocre teams scratching out. So, like, unfortunately, when I watched this film, the thing I kind of landed on was finally, okay, dude, I kind of – the Vegas over-under at six and a half makes sense now. And if this team manages to go four and four in the SEC, I think that's a success, right? And that's got to be basically your goal now is four and four in the SEC, seven and five, because I don't think you're pushing to five and three. Not with what we just saw. Now, you would struggle to get much worse, but it was a very sobering reality check actually finally getting eyes on this team. So I'm not panicking. But I do have a much more realistic view now uh, than I did a couple of days ago on maybe how good this LSU team can be. We'll see. But uh, once again, though, if, if if we fast forward to whenever the draft is, when's the draft usually in May? Somewhere on the end of April, beginning of May. Yeah, April, uh, yeah. There's still going to be north of five or six guys drafted off that football team. That that to me, that's that's still what's crazy. Like, yes, you name that. There's some position groups that had issues. I think offense line to me is still the glaring the biggest issue on that football team. If you can't protect the quarterback, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. You and let's not forget, you get John Emery back. So you're going to get a very capable back that's going to be able to take some pressure off the quarterback, take some pressure off the passing game. I think he has one more game left in the suspension before he comes back for Mississippi State. So that's a huge addition to that offense. They will get better with him. If the offense performs like they did in the fourth quarter and, and, and Jaden continues to progress, then I have confidence that them as a football team is going to get better. So you know, you look at receivers, still one of the best units in the SEC. You get Emory at running back. That that's a huge plus. Yeah. Jaden yeah. flashed. Uh, you got a tight end who made some big plays. You got, you know, you still got some really good guys from from Ali Gay to, to BJ Ojalar in the front. And and we know they got some guys in the back end of that defense. So no, no team's perfect. Like I can't point to one team in the SEC and say, Every every aspect is is an A A plus B plus whatever it is besides maybe maybe Georgia and Alabama but as we know they're just on a different level but if you want to go down the list of teams in the SEC everyone has one two three position groups that are a weak point that are a point that defenses and, and offenses are going to try to expose and LSU is no different but they also once yeah. again they have position groups that I would say are in the top half of this league. And you have to find ways to lean on those guys and allow those guys to go out there and make plays and excel. So I do believe they have the opportunity to go four and four. I would not once again be surprised if they are five and three in the SEC. And then, and still, that's that's a huge win still? for a team that okay. finished the year off. They, I still think there's enough talent. If they can figure a couple things out, there is plenty of talent on that football team to 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 right the wrongs that we saw last week. Once again, you catch two punts. You block on a field goal, you block an extra point, they they probably win the football game. That to me, those are easy. Yeah, I mean, fixes. well those so, are easy so fixes, you, T Bob. No, no, you're right. You're right. We can play that game, but this is where I become a little critical of Florida State. Mike Norvell's offensive play calling and Jordan Travis managing that offense and running that offense. That was top tier, and that was very impressive. They really ran circles around LSU. They negated the front seven with a lot of tempo. Um, on third down, they consistently out-schemed LSU, confusing them uh, in their coverages, creating wide-open guys, and sometimes just winning on routes. But the actual broad-stroke game management, like Norvell and company really effed a lot of that up, right? 
Uh, they didn't take the points before the half. They went for the touchdown, which I applaud and can understand. But then again, in a low-scoring 7-3 to three at half game, off of a muff punt, take the points, right? At the end of the game, you kick a field goal, you go up 10, you win the game. No, they go for it, or they they, they run a toss dive on third and two. It's like there were, there, there, there the were really bad fine, things at Florida State. It was just it was piss-poor execution know, by the quarterback as a bad toss. Uh, I'm plenty fine. I've seen plenty of risk. goal line opportunities where it's, it's not that risky. It's a toss. The quarterback. I look. I I I agree. I agree. But in a even even carrying a low amount of risk of messing up, the the just risk versus punishment and risk versus reward there. I just don't think the juice is worth the squeeze. Just hand it off. But 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 I get what you're saying. Like it's even that is the the player screwed that up ultimately. Um, we'll see on LSU. Uh, I I but I don't do you know, agree. Man. The honeymoon I'm stage feeling, is over. Like. Like the fans right now are like, okay, we were I feel all like happy you went to lucky. And no, dude, like, yes. Okay, yeah. I feel like you went to have sex after the wedding and you got too drunk and couldn't perform. Like you're mm. starting the honeymoon off in a terrible spot. And then the next morning, you're feeling awfully hungover. You're heading straight to the airport. There's this kind of general sense of tension and awkwardness because nobody was satisfied the night before. Next <laughs> thing you know, you're going to get to the hotel, and now we got to see what happens. Like, are we going to reconcile here? Can we get it going night one when we're in Hawaii? I don't know. Like, what if you figure out that I have consistent, like, stains in my underwear or that I'm a snorer or I use the bathroom with the door open or something? There's a lot that could still go wrong, but... The same token, maybe maybe you bounce back, and that next night you make up for not being able to perform the night before. Things back on, and you're drinking, uh, you know, martinis and pina coladas, and you're you're making friends with the people that work at the hotel, and you feel like you're going to be friends forever. Only then you realize they're kind of paid to like you in that way, but that's okay because you're in a great mood and everybody's having fun. Maybe that happens. I don't know, but it's pretty tense in the car ride to the airport right now. Okay, and it's a long ride. Because we're not going to get there till Mississippi State, and then we'll figure T-Bob, out. T Bob's really no chat. Relax. I'm trying to keep a Mary, I'm trying to keep, South Aaron I'm Murray. I'm trying to keep a straight face over here. I'm reading the comments on this. <laughs> I went to New Zealand on a Lord of the Rings T-Pat. tour. Okay, I went to New Zealand T-Bob's on a Lord wedding of the honeymoon Rings all tour. over again. T Bob going with an interesting uh, analogy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying it. I can see the right on the wall from a million miles away, dude. So I didn't go to the honeymoon. You, you. So I will defer to you in this because you do live in in Baton Rouge and you cover the team a little bit more in depth than I do. You know, I know people in the building, yourself included, and you know, because from an outsider's point of view, it just looks like it's it's already at the stage of okay, put up or shut up, and 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 enough's enough already. We're we're four weeks into the marriage and we're already pissed at each other. Like I said the other day, okay, I didn't marry this guy for his sex necessarily, okay? That's short-term rewards. I married him because I believe that long-term, he is going to treat me the right way, okay? Every previous partner that I have, they've been very satisfied long-term. It's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. He's going to take care of my my most base and fundamentals level, yeah, creating consistent winning, discipline football, you get better, better, and maybe it ends with a championship. Uh, I am a long-term cult of Kelly believer, even though, again, I have massive questions about the ceiling on this team now. I've been brought back to earth. 
a little bit. Um, all right, that's enough. That's enough LSU. I don't want to take over the show with LSU because they play Southern this weekend, which is cool if you live in Baton Rouge, but much cooler is for the second week in a row, the Swamp seems like the place to be at, Aaron. A mm. battle in the SEC East, Kentucky at Florida. And speaking of analogies, the one that pops into my head when I think about this game, because these last few years have been Florida kind of falling off, it feels like, while Kentucky rises. And it's funny because they've only won two of the last four, but in the context of this series, it's like a million wins. Um, And it feels like Florida's always been the bad guy, the the cool guy, the mean guy. Kentucky's been the nice guy. And you know, Florida's not treating the girl right, and she's crying on Kentucky's shoulder, and it looks like she's finally about to give him a chance. And then Florida just pulls back up in the convertible, and wouldn't you know it, Anthony Richardson is driving, and he's looking cool and sexy as hell in his leather jacket and his shades. He's like, sup, babe, get in. And this Saturday will determine whether or not that girl gets in the car. Does she go with Florida, or does she stay with Kentucky? It's all on the line. In the swamp on Saturday. What well, the the question below is it's it's who is more to prove Florida or Kentucky? I think it's this is a bigger game for Kentucky than Florida for that reason alone because you know we we saw the drama this offseason. Is is Kentucky a football school, basketball school, both? You know, it it's obviously the needle leans a little bit more to it being a basketball school. It's just not a traditional football school. Uh Stoops is one of my favorite coaches in, in all of college football. What he has built there, the consistency, putting guys in the league. Winning, winning at a high level is not easy to do there, but he's done it. And and my you know, always hats off to Kentucky for sticking with him through those first few years. Got really dark at times, but they said, "Hey, you're our guy. We believe in you." They came out on the other side, and look at them now. They are fighting to be consistently one of the top teams, especially in the SEC East. So, you know, for them right now, you look at the landscape. Georgia's Georgia. Georgia's elite. Georgia's is running away with it, and and it doesn't look like they're looking back. Uh, Tennessee's getting better. Um, South Carolina feels better. I'm still a little questionable about their game this past weekend, how good they really can be. But things seem to be moving smoothly there in, in Columbia with Shane Beamer. Uh, and then now Florida feels like they are a dominant team, especially with Anthony Richardson. And we know the recruiting that can be done. We know their coach loves to recruit, and he's going to be bringing four and five-star guys. they got an $85 million facility. There's a lot going well. For the, the East the past five years, it's been Georgia, or Florida, and then Kentucky's been that third. Now, all mm-hmm. of a sudden, Kentucky looks around. Once again, they see Tennessee. They see Florida. They see these traditional powers gaining speed and momentum. They're like, oh, crap. We need to stay on top. So more pressure on them to stay there and to prove that, hey, we're not just going to roll over just because Tennessee and Florida are, in a lot of people's minds, back to being extremely competitive, back to being legitimate when it comes to fighting for that number two spot in the SEC East. But – it's going to be an awesome game. You got two of the best quarterbacks, not only in the conference, but in America with Will Levis and and, and Anthony Richardson. Uh, my biggest concern, though, we talked about LSU's offensive line. Kentucky's offensive line was atrocious last week. Yeah, and going against Florida's D-line in the swamp, the noise, the excitement, uh, they could barely run the ball last week. And this is a team that has prided themselves on running the ball under Stoops. Run the ball, play great defense. So... I don't know if I trust Will Levis enough and his playmakers outside. And I love the transfer they got in there from West Virginia. I don't know if I trust them enough if they can't run the football to go into the swamp in that environment and win a game. And then you flip the swip. Florida running the ball right now, not just with Anthony, but with their, their three, four backs. 
and that offense line, the best we've seen them in 10-plus years, you do that along with good defense, you're going to win a lot of games, especially at home. I think Florida is about to pull up in that convertible, and she's jumping in real hard, real fast uh, after this wow. game on Saturday. Well, it sucks, man. If, if if your key is that Kentucky has to be able to run the ball, well, then Chris Rodriguez still being suspended, which it looks like allegedly he still is. Stoops is being a little coy about it. Um, that's going to make that multiple times harder uh, for them to accomplish that goal. So brutal but fun for the second week in a row. It looks like the Swamp is the place to be Saturday night, 6 p.m. You know who's going to be on the call? Greg McElroy. Hey, Aaron. You know who we sat down and talked a little college football with? Greg McElroy. Here you go, Brum. Hit the tape. Even with the awful pain that I witnessed on Sunday night, I am still ecstatic that college football is back and that FanDuel can put you right in the middle of the action because right now, all customers can get a no-sweat bet for week two. That means free bets back if your bet doesn't win. For everybody, new world. Just log into your account and see how much your no-sweat bet will be. What I love to do, there's so many different ways to bet on college football. A little same-game parlay. You can jump in after the game starts. A little live bet. How do Natty Championship future sound? I see you, Baylor. Yeah, I said it. Speaking of, this weekend, there's a lot of good. And there's about to be a sacrifice in Austin. Okay, so go ahead and take Alabama to cover the 19 against the Longhorns. And if you're hearing this and you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, check it out. Now is the perfect time to give it a shot. And how could I forget? The FanDuel app is now live in Kansas. (laughs) The script says, emphasize reasons below for people in Kansas to sign up. I don't know anything about Kansas, but check it out. I think you should sign up if you live in Kansas. The app is so easy to use, always looking to hook you up with great odds, and when you win, you'll get paid fast. So see for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Download the FanDuel app today and sign up with promo code SNAPS to get a no-sweat bet for this college football season. That's SNAPS, S-N-A-P-S. JLab has something for everyone with earbuds and headphones that are as versatile as you are. Perfect for calls, listening to podcasts, and working out. They are built for every single moment. JLab is proud to partner with powerhouse college athletics. UCLA, Duke, Gonzaga, Indiana, St. John's, TCU, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Minnesota, San Diego State, and more. From lively tailgates to coaches' play calling and courtside rivalries to college athletics and IL deals, JLab joins the action and connects with 182 million plus college sports fans nationwide. They're excited to partner with 17 D1 college schools showcasing their passion and loyalty of fans and athletes across the United States. Whether creating cutting-edge tech products or pursuing athletic greatness, being the best takes hard work and commitment. JLab is proud to partner with schools who are showcasing the hard work, perseverance, and even the championship celebrations across all college sports. Use code SNAPS25 for 25% off your order, visit jlab.com to find your kind of tech. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, 
I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to Snaps uh, right now. It is our pleasure here on Snaps to make uh, to, well, to be joined by another quarterback, the quarterback Greg McElroy, host of the Always College Football Podcast. Check it out on ESPN's YouTube channel, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Go ahead and subscribe. That also uh, host of Mac and Cube on WJOCS, huge Alabama radio station over there. They're on there uh, 7 to 10 a.m. Central each and every day. Him and Cole Kublik. It's a great show. Uh, Greg, what's up, man? Thank you so much for joining us uh, on our own college football podcast. Thank you for being here. <laughs> That's an appropriate name. I never realized. I was just calling it the T-Bob and Aaron podcast. I wasn't sure it was called Snaps. That's great to know. Yep. Uh, I, I love that, um, first and yeah. foremost. Secondly, you'll have to excuse my sweaty appearance. Uh, one, I'm never going to be a heartthrob. I don't care. That's not my goal. Uh, I want to provide quality information. But when you're sweating like a pig fresh off a workout... <laughs> Uh, it's yeah. especially bad. So I apologize for those that are consuming this thing well, visually. You don't have to apologize to me, Greg. I like a little sweaty McElroy, actually. Uh, and let's <laughs> dive into it then. Uh, because were you sweating at all that Alabama was maybe going to lose that number one spot to UGA this week? For those who watched Snaps yesterday, uh, I had a little bit of an aggressive reaction. We said, come on, Georgia's ring number one. Look what they did to Oregon. I mean, right, Greg? What's going on? Uh, it, it would be one thing. Now, if Alabama would have played, you know, anything less than their A game, I think it would have been a real easy argument to make on Georgia's behalf. Um, but Alabama looked really good against a team that won 11 games last year. You know, it's not, I mean, it's not like Utah State's chopped liver. Now, they're not Oregon, but they might not be as bad as Oregon. <laughs> also, at the same time, I say that tongue in cheek. But Utah State's a good football team. Or at least they were last year, and, and they brought back some decent pieces and added a couple in the portal. So it's not like Utah State's chopped liver. Had Alabama gone out and maybe messed around, won like 31-14 or something like that, yes, it would have been a very easy argument to make. And I've said all week long, and I'm sure you guys probably agree with this, tell me who had a better week than Georgia. There's no one. 
Uh, it was yeah. clinical. It was surgical. And the areas that I was most concerned about, I thought they'd score points. I wasn't concerned about that. I was actually more impressed with the defense than it was the offense. Uh, and I didn't think they skipped a beat, creating turnovers, creating eye violations, and making it difficult on Georgia or on Oregon as soon as they crossed the 50. So they gave them a little room, and it felt like Oregon, hey, we're moving the ball all right, and then boom, it's like they slammed the door. So uh, I think it's a real easy argument to make on Georgia's behalf to be the number one team in the country. When you look at that 25, and, and we'll, obviously on that number one spot, we're on different sides of the fence there. But one, two, whatever. These two will end up playing each other most likely there in Atlanta for the SC Championship game. But any other big surprises? Obviously, Michigan moving up pretty good. Florida moving way up into the polls now at number 12. Tennessee moves in also. Anyone that moved up too much, dropped too far back, or was not included in that top 25? Michigan moving up four spots, I, I guess I don't have that much of an issue with it, but I mean, it's not like Cade McNamara went out there and went, you know, did, pulled a Shador Sanders and went 17 to 17 and like did ball didn't touch the ground. I mean, it, I thought the offensive performance was fine. I, I wouldn't say that it was, you know, anything to kind of write home about. If anything, I was more impressed with what they did defensively because I like Colorado State's philosophy offensively, a lot of tempo. Obviously, Jay Norvell making the move over from Nevada. So uh, they were probably going into that game like, hey, I wonder what he's going to do. I wonder what he's going to look like. And, and they thought they played beautifully on that side of the ball. So uh, I was fine with them being ranked in the top 10 in the preseason, but I would not have moved them up four spots uh, upon further evaluation. I don't feel like their performance was that different than that of some of the teams they jumped. Um, I thought Texas A&M was kind of a ho-hum performance. It was fine. Yeah. I thought Clemson's performance in the first three quarters was kind of ho-hum, but it's against a quality opponent that's, you know, had some had the benefit of time on their side. I don't think Georgia Tech's quality, by the way. I just think that they're better than Colorado State <laughs> and uh, yeah. better than, you know, some of the aforementioned teams that they play. Sam Houston State, like A&M played. So uh, I, I just look at some of these teams, man. I I try not to get too reactionary after week one. I really try, but it's almost like the AP poll. They look at what they did last week. They're like, oh, well, this team didn't play very good. Let's drop them a couple spots. Oh, this team looked pretty good. Let's move them up a couple spots, as opposed from starting from scratch every week, which is ultimately what they should do. Oh, 100%. Uh, I want to stick at T-Bob once. I want to I want to follow yeah, up ahead. on the, the Michigan thing. You're a quarterback, and obviously you're a perfect person to ask this question to. It's been a really interesting year to start with with some of these situations we're seeing. Obviously, Michigan, one quarterback's get to start week one. Second quarterback gets to start week two. I got Ole Miss this weekend. Lane Kiffin's doing the same thing there. As a quarterback, how much would that drive you crazy? And how does that really affect the team and offense, a locker room, when there is indecision at that spot second week into the season? You know, I think the I think the players nowadays are more comfortable being uncomfortable with that stuff. Uh, I feel like back in the day we were a little bit more ingrained, and it was more important to, um, you know, know who your quarterback is, know who your leader was going to be. But now every single place is just feels very transactional. So, you know, I mean, it's like quarterback walks in the door in August, wins the job and then, oh, he's supposed to be my leader. I just met the guy, but sounds good. We'll follow him. Like, I, I just don't know if it's the teams just aren't really made up the same as they once were. So I, I guess it's not as big a deal as I think some might suggest. Uh, Ole Miss's situation is a little bit unique because I feel like both Jackson Dart and Altmaier 
are similar skill sets. You know, it's not like Jackson's the runner and Altmaier's the thrower or vice versa. They both can kind of do both pretty well. And, and I think both have actually decent upside and, and there's stuff to kind of build around with that. Uh, ultimately, I think Ole Miss is going to be a run first team this year, which is exciting <laughs> to me. They were last year too, but nobody talked about it. Um, and then as like Michigan's concerned, I, I can understand their approach a little bit more because it depends a little bit on the game. Like if they're going to just play boa constrictor defense and just squeeze the life out of you, having the game manager at quarterback like Cade McNamara is not the worst thing. But if you need a guy that makes some plays because your defense hasn't played as well, boom, put J.J. McCarthy in there and let's see what happens. That's why J.J. McCarthy fared better against Georgia in the semifinal game, albeit in mop-up duty. He fared better against Georgia than Cade McNamara did. Uh, just He's got a little more juice. Also, probably going to make a few more mistakes, too. So I think it's okay to have the approach of your Michigan because it might just depend on who you're playing against as far as which quarterback gives you the best chance. Well, and speaking of potential quarterback switches, on Monday night, we had a little Clemson-Georgia Tech action, and everybody was uh, hyper-analyzing Uyunglele because, of course, we were, right? Uh, if he is good, Clemson immediately kind of re-enters that playoff conversation. He did not look good for much of that game, Greg, and then Klubnik come in. He does well. Seen Dabo make switches in the past. Give us uh, your quarterback evaluation of what you witnessed and if you foresee maybe uh, a switch being in the air at Clemson. There, this is so familiar, isn't it? I mean, it feels so much like Kelly Bryant's situation. I mean, yeah. it's almost eerily similar. Where Kelly Bryant didn't really do anything to lose the job. Kelly Bryant really was a very solid player. He, he took yeah. Clemson the previous year as a starting quarterback in 2017. He took him to the playoffs. I mean, it's not like, I mean, the guy was undefeated in the regular season. Like Kelly Bryant, <laughs> I mean, he might have lost one in the regular season, 11 to 1, 12 to 1, whatever it was. Either way, he took Clemson to the playoffs in 2017. So they were the number one overall seed in 2017. I mean, it's not like, you know, he was chopped liver. He just, he didn't have the upside of the backup, the backup being Trevor Lawrence. So after four games, they're like, Kelly, man, I mean, you're, you're great in the regular season, but we want to win a championship. And, and right now, the way you're playing, I'm not sure we can win a championship. We just, we can't. Like, you're solid and you're steady and we appreciate you. But this guy right here, Trevor Lawrence, is going to take us to the promised land. So they made the switch after four games. And it really wasn't so much about anything that Kelly Bryant did. It was really ultimately just about what Trevor Lawrence could be. And I get the sense that we are kind of starting to find our way down the exact same path. Now, it was very similar to what happened in 2016 when Cole Stout was the starting quarterback for Clemson. Well, there's this little old freshman named Deshaun Watson who's pretty good. And you know, Cole Stout played good first few games of the year, but he just ultimately his best was not going to be as good as a Deshaun Watson. What's most troubling about this situation is that we've seen DJ Uwe Ungalale play incredible football. I thought he played really well against Boston College in his first career start. I thought he played excellent on the road at Notre Dame in 2020. So, I mean, we've seen him play at a high level. But last year, it's like he kind of lost his edge. And he just hasn't been able to really recreate that. I also think their offense is a little bit tired. I think it could be a little reinvented. Um, with maybe attack the middle of the field a little bit more often, maybe hit some more intermediate throws over the middle of the field as opposed to these one-on-one -on -one challenges down the sideline. So um, I, I feel like we're approaching a decision point because it was very clear and obvious to me that when Clay Cade Klubnik went in the game the other night, 
there was a different energy. There was a different sense of urgency and the team really responded positively to him being in the locker room or him being in the huddle. So uh, I, I'd be surprised if they continue to accept mediocrity at quarterback there. They just need too much from the position for them to be at their best. And uh, I think there will come a time here at some point in the near future where it will be club next gig. If DJ doesn't improve drastically wow. over the next couple of weeks. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. DJ has to get better. He's just the same quarterback we saw last year. Uh, two teams that don't have any issues at the quarterback spot. A game you're covering this weekend, Kentucky at Florida. Anthony Richardson was phenomenal last weekend. I know you're not super, super high on Will Levis as a quarterback. Looked okay last week. Um, does Florida win this game? And, and where are you with Anthony Richardson based on limited playing time we saw last year from him and obviously his first real start this past week? First of all, I think we all need to just have like a snoop cam uh, on T-Bob like at all times because I, I could just, without even listening to the question, if I just look at his facial expressions, it, it's like making me <laughs> chuckle, man. I'm like, he's like, I mean, just out of here. Whole, uh, whole very active eyebrows, Greg. Very, very, very active. active. They have a life uh, of their own, dude. What a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's a good um, question. Right, so you rub your chin. You're like, oh, okay now. Let's yeah, okay. I mean, it's yeah, like we're getting yeah. all kinds of all kinds of good stuff there. I mean, it's like it, it's like facial expression comedy. Um, just right, combing so the food out of his beer from lunch. <laughs> quarterbacks this weekend in Gainesville. I think first of all, I like Will Levis better than I thought I did. You know, going upon further okay. evaluation. I look at the pre-draft stuff, the first round mock draft stuff. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, no way, you know? I mean, f come on, man, first round? Like, <laughs> maybe we need a double take, you know, let's just slow our roll here a little bit on this guy. And then went back and watched a little bit more. I was like, okay, I, you know, I see the, I see the athletic ability. You know, I, I see the potential. Um, I, I still think... And if you talk to their coaches, they, they believe that he is insanely accurate. Um, I, for one, have seen him miss a couple layups. Uh, it's okay. It happens, especially early in the season. But if you're going to be a first-round pick, top 10 pick potentially, top two pick potentially, you can't miss layups. Uh, you have to be able to place the football in the right place at all times. And if you're throwing to a running back, you can't throw a 105-mile-an-hour fastball on his back hip. It's going to get tipped up, and it might be a big problem, a big bad play, uh, potentially intercepted, maybe going back the other way. Who knows? So I think he can tighten up the accuracy just a little bit. I would also like to see him practice a little more self-preservation. Uh, I think he's got some grinder in him in a sense that like he refuses to go down. Got some Roethlisberger in him in that regard, but Roethlisberger was 6'6", 250, and could just throw defensive tackles off of him like it was nothing. Uh, he needs to, I think, understand when the defense wins, hey, man, let's just live to play the next play. I'd like to see him grow in that regard. But really going back and watching him, I was very impressed with how effortless he throws the football. When his feet are underneath him, he is deadly accurate. Uh, the ball really jumps off his hand. Um, he just has a lot of raw horsepower. You know what I mean? So I can understand very yeah. much why the NFL is starting to salivate over him. He's got to tweak and refine a few things, but for the most part, it's in there. Uh, as far as the other guy is concerned, Anthony Richardson, this dude is ridiculous. Um, he, the best part is it's like he's still, he's like a young fawn. Like he, he doesn't understand 
rhythm. Like he, he doesn't, he doesn't understand quite yet how to just kind of play the game and let the game come to him. He just is out there making plays and he's the best player on the field at all times. And it's amazing to me. And I've compared him all week long and I'm sitting there watching it with Joe Tessitore and you know, Tess, I mean, Tess is like, Oh my God, Greg, that's a phenomenal <laughs> comp. Like he's like, he, he loves it. But we're sitting there watching the game last week. I'm like, dude, he moves like Vince Young. Yeah, you know, I mean, just watch him. I'm he, now. I grew up with Vince Young. Like, I, I'm from Dallas. Went to Texas games. Was a Texas fan growing up. Vince Young, one of my favorite players of all time. He got to college in like 2002. I was in, you know, I was in ninth grade. So like, I grew up with Vince Young. Ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth grade. Like, wanted to go to Texas. Loved Texas. Loved Vince Young. So he was like a very important player in my childhood. And I can remember watching him mature from one year to the next year to the next year to the next year. And that final year when he won the Rose Bowl, him being a complete finished product was an amazing thing to watch. But if you watched him as a sophomore, he made plays that just would blow your mind, but he didn't make the average plays from time to time. That's where I think Anthony Richardson can grow, is that he can certainly make all the superstar plays, all the highlight reel plays, but he also will throw a slant and miss the guy by five yards. So he just needs to make the average plays make he can make them easily just the focus on those plays needs to be the same way it is when he's scrambling and creating so uh but he's phenomenal and it, and it is really a joy to watch and, and i think both these two guys have, have very bright futures at the position wait so is tess is tess's same energy level on air is that him off air as well in these oh production my gosh meetings like when it comes to food and wine and tequila <laughs> no, like no, tequila. like i'm not maybe tequila, reverse tequila. order uh like those are the three things Mr. and antipasto like he is a he's an italian american like he will you know like he is very proud of his italian american heritage and um he's very easy to wind up uh he runs hot you know he he runs hot and he's he's he wants to be and live in conflict and he really believes that if the sport like he loves boxing and football because he says that if it's not like a gladiator type of sport, he wants nothing to do with it. Like hates golf, <laughs> thinks golf is the softest sport ever. And I'm a golfer. Like wow. I love to, I love to play golf. What and an he thinks golf is the softest, weakest sport of all time. And the reason why is like, why is it courageous to pull out a metal club, hit a white ball, and play against grass. Like you're quite yeah. playing against grass and air. And you're and you're saying it takes courage to pull the club back. Like and that, you know, I kind of resonate with that, but he is he is intense. Which is surprising very, a little bit intense. though because of all the sports, that would probably be the one that he would excel at over boxing or football. Wow, no, dude. Like, what? Like, you can't like appreciate people, something from the outside looking in, dude. You shame and joke like for not people being that have like grown up around like boxing like he'll tell stories about like sylvester stallone and stuff like that like they've people like the boxing community is a very small tight-knit community like every single person that's involved in boxing it doesn't matter if you're a promoter a play-by-play guy um you know or you're you know selling selling beer as as a guy that's walking up and down you know as a vendor like everyone that's around boxing thinks they can go in the ring and fight for 12 rounds against heavyweight boxers. Like they all just have a crazy barbaric sense of fight. Like I'm going to fight and I'm going to win. Tess still takes boxing lessons. He leaned up last year and he kept calling himself a featherweight. I go, Tess, you're skinny. You're not a featherweight. You're skinny. All right. Gain some weight. 
You're not competing. You don't have to weigh in tomorrow. You're not going nose to nose with a guy and, you know, going to throw hands. Like, just, you know, eat, first of all. Second of all, you don't need to work out three hours a day and jump rope. Last week in the hotel before the game, he jumped rope for an hour and a half. Who jumps rope for an hour and a half as a workout? Good for him. Fucking grinder. Hey, put Joe (laughs) T in the ring and let them gloves sing, baby. Let's do it. Uh, Greg, we've already kept you so long. 30 seconds. How badly does Alabama beat uh, Texas this weekend? Uh, I, I, what I'm most interested in, I don't think Texas has the horses, um, first and foremost. Uh, but I think they have the intellect. Um, and I'm not sure I'm you know breaking any news and saying that Steve Sarkeesian's one of the best offensive minds in college football. So what I'm most interested in is how does he put a plan together um to try to limit the pass rush to try to create favorable matchups you know what does texas's offensive plan look like because if he can provide the blueprint for and you know that he's been working on this plan for 18 months Mm -hmm. and knowing that this is a huge opportunity they get get blown out like say oregon did against georgia you get blown out like that what's everyone going to be saying about steve sarkeesian Oh, he's lost his magic. The guy's not that good. Like, it's all going downhill. Like, you know, the honeymoon is over. Like, you know the reaction will be really strong if this game gets sideways. So I don't think he has the horses to pull off the upset. But I do think he can provide the blueprint to someone that might actually have the horses down the road. Like, I think people will copy this game plan over and over and over and over again because... Steve Sarkeesian's clearly very well respected and very, very thoughtful. So uh, can Arkansas replicate this plan and create some problems for Alabama? Can LSU uh, down the road, if they improve drastically between now and then, can they maybe make (laughs) life difficult by implementing a plan similar to the one that Texas is going to use? What about Texas A&M? Can Texas A&M use a plan that's similar to what Texas is going to use? So all three of those teams probably have slightly better personnel than Texas, which means they would be more equipped to pull off the upset. But I do think Texas might provide, you know, a look into how you should attack Alabama and how you should neutralize their edge presence defensively. Greg McElroy, host of the Always College Football Podcast. Check it out on my ESPN's YouTube channel, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe and listen to Mac and Cube 7 to 10 a.m on W Jocks over there in Alabama. Greg, thank you so much, man. Uh, You have a great day, my friend. Enjoy the call on Saturday. It's going to be sick in the swamp. All right, fellas. Y'all have a great time. Big thank you to Greg McElroy coming on, man, Uh, giving us some excellent insight. Go ahead and making the Clemson QB switch call. Uh, Going to be very intrigued to see how quickly that happens. The only thing we forget about that, Aaron, I think at the time – wasn't there right there? I think there was an idea that like they wanted Kelly Bryant to at least play four games so that he couldn't redshirt, and then then it would make it hard for a transfer. I can't remember the exact dynamics, but we'll see how long uh, Uyunglele lasts uh, with Dabo this year. All right, right now here on Snaps, your favorite new volume sports podcast. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get. Your podcast, you get any questions in there in the chat if you want to as well. Right now, though, we're going to play a new game, and it's called Better Bets. No, 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 Better Bets, in which uh, we're going to lay out a few bets. Shout out to our uh, 
people at FanDuel putting this all on, making all of this happen. Uh, I'm going to lay out a few bets, and we are going to choose uh, which one we think is the better bet. Get it? Great. Grand. Let's do this thing. Aaron Murray, who would you bet on to win the national championship? We and by the way, all these odds provided by FanDuel Sportsbook. Go sign up today. Promo code SNAPS. If you really want to help your boys out, okay, FanDuel makes us all go. Promo code SNAPS links directly back to us. Download the Sportsbook app. They got uh, the, 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 the no sweat bets. Even if you're not a new member, if you are a new member, they got all kind of great promos. Go check them out. Anyway, Alabama to win the Natty at plus 160. Georgia plus 250. Or Ohio State plus 300. I'm going to take my dogs at plus 250. You know, you're not the best bang for your buck, but right now, to me, I think they're the best team in college football. So you get a little bit more bang than going with Alabama, who right now is the number one team in the country. Uh, so I like that. And plus, the the big bag, big bad, what would Greg say? The big bad play? The big bag, bo- the big BBP, bag boogeyman. The BBP, the big bad play, baby. <laughs> yeah, the, I'm going to go the BBB, big bag, bad boogeyman. Bad, bad. I'll get it soon enough. Whatever. Was Alabama for my dogs? We just could not get that BBB off our shoulders. We got them off. Bye-bye. We got the confidence. So I do like my dogs that plus 250 to get through the East. You know they can beat every team on their schedule. <laughs> Damn you, T-Bob. And, uh, you know, I think they'll take care of business, man. They, they have the confidence. They got the horses. Greg said it, man. That defense – does not look like that they missed a beat losing all those dudes to the NFL in the first round. Offense maybe one of the best offenses in the country with all those weapons. Stutzen, Stetson, what's his nickname for the players? Uh, St- Stequavius. St- St- Stequavius. I got, yeah, somewhere around that. I got from one of the players on the football team the other day. Is going to be doing big things this year. So uh, give me the dogs at plus 250. Yeah, look, that, that's the best one here. Plus, if you bet on Bama to win and they don't, you're just going to be so salty that you lost money on Alabama. And plus 300 is too close to UGA while Ohio State feels farther away. Better chance to make the playoff, better bet. USC, who's currently sitting there at 3-1, to one, or Oklahoma, who's sitting there at 4-1. to one. What you got, Aaron? Ah, man, this pains me because two weeks ago I was dogging USC, but right now you look at Oregon – look like yeah. poo-poo against Georgia. So it's like, eh. uh, you look at uh, Utah and their loss. Uh, they look like they have some issues, especially on the defense side of the football, uh, that defensive line, and getting pushed around a little bit. Uh, obviously, I want to see what USC looks like versus a, a, a decent team on the road this weekend versus Stanford before I feel really good with this. But there's two conferences right now that have question marks. Uh, the ACC, uh, just lots of close calls this weekend. Don't think the conference is very good. I don't think Clemson is 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 very good. I think Clemson may slip up this season at some point. Look for that game there at Notre Dame. So I think USC, if they do win the Pac-12, which they're looking more and more like that uh, the more you watch them, uh, it may have a chance to sneak into the playoffs. Oklahoma, I like them, but once again, the, the Big 12, just it's more competitive than the Pac-12. So that's my biggest yep. – that's where I'm kind of feeling it right now. They've got Oklahoma State look good. Texas is going to be a better football team this year. So there's just a tougher road to get to the playoffs from in that conference. Uh, the tougher road argument is actually exactly how I frame mine. And I agree. I think USC is the better bet here. It's just that, um, I mean, even Baylor, right? We didn't think about, we didn't mention yeah, Baylor. Baylor. 
Yeah. Uh, and Utah's legit, but I think Caleb Williams is better than Dylan Gabriel as well, right? And I think Lincoln Riley is uh, more proven. There's just too many knowns. I, I would go USC, mainly because the road. Yep. Better chance to win the Heisman. Who's the better bet? Stetson at 20 to 1 or Anthony Richardson at 18 to 1. My man's Anthony Richardson already has better odds than Stetson Bennett to win the Heisman. So this is tricky because. You know, usually the, the Heisen winner is most times on a winning football team or a team that is at least competing for a championship. So if this goes back to the original bet or the first bet we had about you know, which team would we take to win the Natty, it was Georgia for me. And I do think Georgia is going to win the, you know, win the SEC East. They're going to beat Florida and Jacksonville. So that's a head to head win for Stetson over Anthony Richardson. Uh, George is most likely to be 11-1, 12-0 and, and be in the playoffs and have a chance to win a championship. So that all sets up for success for Stetson, but the better overall player and the guy that's going to make the highlight reels over and over again, the guy that's going to have stupid stats with his legs and crazy stats with his arm every single week, and the guy that's going to uh, essentially force Florida to win football games by putting the team on his back is, is going to be Anthony Richardson. So I think he's just going to have more Heisman-like moments this season, uh, those highlight reels that everyone watches and everyone sees, I think that's going to help his chances. So I'm going to go with AR. If they get to 9, 10 wins, I think that trumps the fact that Georgia's going to be a playoff team and that gets him over the hurdle when that with that kind of comparison with Stetson. I don't know, man. I, I mean, I don't know if I'm ready to fully trust Anthony Richardson this much quite yet. I fully trust Stetson Bennett. Maybe what works against Stetson is not playing in second halves, but then again, like you're talking about, they love a good story, right? A Heisman campaign mm -hmm. does. And uh, much better logic than the last episode of Game of Thrones. Like, who has a better story than Bran? Uh, it's a real talk. Who has a better story than Stetson? If he statistically qualifies, uh, we will see. So I will go Stetson at 20 to 1. I like the longer odds there, and I like his opportunity. Final one. Who has the better bet this weekend? Would you rather take Bama minus 40 and a half, which is plus 670, minus 40 and a half, or Texas to win outright, which is plus 890? I'm, I'm taking Bama. I, I I think Bama could just roll. I think I think there's no chance Texas wins. You know, I watched their tape this morning uh, from the weekend. Just want to kind of get to see what Ewers looks like, what the offense looks like, and the they, they look good. But we're you, talking about a team they look that like is going you, to like Ewers, good like you were good. Yeah, inconsistent. So uh, they don't make obviously that big of a jump from week one to week two, or at least a jump in my mind, to beat Alabama. So I think there's like a 1% a chance they beat Alabama, and I think there's a obviously a greater chance that Alabama just absolutely throttles them. So I, I will uh, take that chance on that bet. Yeah, I mean, the minus 45 and a half is actually significantly better odds. But the thing is, and I know 890 is on the longest odds that people bet on, and people win parlays with longer odds all the time, but you're right. Texas winning feels almost like a mathematical impossibility. So as much as I hate it, I too think that the better bet here is Bama minus 40 and a half. Although again, ugh, gross. I would hate to make that bet and then lose. Hey, look, huge thank you to everyone joining us on a brand new edition of Snaps. Again, thank you to the Volume Network. Thank you to Colin Coward. Thank you to our wonderful producer, Mr. Ryan Brumley. Thank you to you, Aaron Murray. Have a great show on the radio. My radio show is already done. 
subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, okay? Rate and review it. It really helps the boys sign up for FanDuel with snaps. And once more, subscribe to the Volume Sports YouTube channel and hit the like button. Sorry to throw that out all out at y'all at once, but I hope you all have a much better honeymoon than I did, and I hope y'all all have a wonderful day. We'll be back tomorrow live, 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central, with a brand new Snacks. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.